Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple. And this week I talk with Emily Grace about helping actors write their dream roles. Emily shares the highs and lows of her artistic endeavors, exploring the delicate balance between running a business and nurturing one's artistic soul. And we touch on themes of delegation, overcoming doubt, and the importance of embracing the messy creative process. We also discuss the art of brevity, some tools to distill narratives, and giving oneself permission to pause in the relentless pursuit of both artistic and business endeavors. Emily also opens up about an impactful health journey she experienced and the profound power of storytelling as a means for processing. Enjoy. Emily Grace, hi. Hi. So lovely to have you here. (laughs) I'm uh, trepidatiously looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah, I never, you know, I think that's an honest response. I never know what's to come. I always just, you know, bring on people and hope that we engage in, you know, heart vulnerable, brave spaces and see where we're at. So thank you for joining me here. For anybody who does not know who you are, who are you today? Today, I am a dog mom. I mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about how much we love our dogs. <laughs> uh, I'm a dog mom. I love Italian red wine. Yes. I love reality television. Is an Can epic. I ask like what <laughs> what like genre of reality television we're talking? Bravo. <laughs> okay. And I'm, you know, I have a business. I help actors learn to write and produce their dream role, which is something I'm very excited and love doing. But I also mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes that becomes the top and only focus. And I I am a artist neglecting my own artistry often. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, I feel that. I feel that. How is that? How do you know that for yourself? I mean, I think anyone who is a creative person has a pretty good relationship with their soul. And you know, (laughs) when your soul Mm -hmm. is being crushed or soul soul crushing your soul is dying there i don't know how to point to the thing but yeah. there it's like oh i wanna or when i watch it comes out mostly when i watch something amazing mm-hmm. and i'm i'm like i want that yeah <laughs> i want to be doing that yeah 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 and to be then of service for others for them searching for their dream is a really hard balance i would imagine yeah it's like a it's a it's a double edged sword because i love being part of that process mm-hmm. i think it's really humbling to for people to choose me to work with to develop yeah. their ideas um i love inspiring people i love seeing what they come up with and helping them make their idea better I love that. Lights it absolutely lights me up. It's like the other, you know, the email, you know, it's all the other stuff you have to do to run a business. Right. Which is a lot. But it's like that is inspiring and exciting for me. And then it's also can be frustrating because I've got to write 50 more emails before I feel like I'm allowed to focus on my creative stuff. Yeah. 
Oof, I get that <laughs> so deeply. Um, the the spreadsheet person of myself <laughs> does not the light never comes on. Like it, it has been out of order forever and I've been like calling maintenance and by that I mean like anybody who would come in and help me with spreadsheets for a while and I feel like until I understood that I would never go there I just won't. Those are like my limits. I I yeah. do not like to put in spreadsheets and I do not like to deal with the I just don't. I do not thrive and delegating another human being and that meant a little bit of financial investment on my end in order to get it done has been Simultaneously difficult, obviously, because you know finances are a whole other conversation. But yeah. the relief to know that there is another person supporting something that I will never touch because I hate it so much. Yes. Like, how have you found the delegating while it feels hard? I have a pretty good team. I think I'm pretty good at delegating, mm -hmm. but you know, then I go and hover. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's hard for me to totally let go of and trust someone else mm -hmm. to to do it. And then the times when I have done that and then there were like mistakes or like a yeah. major thing was missed, then I'm like, why did you do it? Kind of reinforces yeah. my belief that I have to kind of Hover. Control it, hover yeah. and control everything. And yeah. so that's, <laughs> that's been a journey. Yeah. And then the, but uh, from what you were saying about the spreadsheets, the thing that I had to force myself to let go of is editing. I used to make mm -hmm. all these videos and edit them and uh, editing my film. Like I, I hate editing. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm dying inside. So if I have yep. to edit something like it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a line for editing now. It's, a, it's will not yeah. be crossed. Yeah. It's uh, so funny. We all have these limits. I mean, yes. back in a former season of my life, my, I guess my thrival job, as I called it, was headshot photographer. I mm -hmm. did that for a while. Um, this is before I went back to grad school. And I also ended up kind of veering into event photography. And I, I still do. I love photography. I love taking photos. I love headshot photography. You learn everything. You know, a camera doesn't lie. You learn everything about a human being and you fall in love with the person in front of you because you see them as a human. And then when it came to the editing process, I wanted to, I yeah. was like, I'm done here. And that's literally why I gave it up because in order to keep up in that industry, I had to learn to edit and I had to learn to like to edit. And I was like, I'm not willing to do this. And yeah, I had to say goodbye to that hat and <laughs> it's in me. It's in me, but it's like, yeah, that's my line. I won't. I, so I, so there's a relationship here that we both have to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious how you fell in love with and how you came to guiding artists to make their creations in this way? Like what drew you to this? Yeah, it's been an evolution, of course. I started my business probably 15 years ago, okay. I want to say. And it, at that time, it was, <laughs> it was called the Reiki scene. <laughs> so I was combining Reiki with acting, right? Get it seen okay. and yeah like all the website colors were like all the colors of the chakras. And so it was, <laughs> that's how I got into it, the Reiki scene. Okay. So it's evolved since then. Um, I don't mm -hmm. offer Reiki 
as part of my services anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a sort of a long evolution from that to to really focusing on marketing. And then I I was um, a co-owner of an audition studio for a while in LA, and it was really about a very specific technique. And then I decided to go back off on my own. And it sort of, it's evolved once I, so I made a short film, I wrote, directed, produced, and starred in it Mm -hmm. before I ever learned, really learned professional writing tools. And I had my acting training. It's like, ah, writing's easy. I know how to do this. I read scripts, right? Like I thought this is going to be easy and it wasn't, it was really, really hard. And the film you know, the big accomplishment is that the film got made, which is exciting and should be celebrated, but I wasn't really happy with it because it didn't feel like my vision or my story. And I Mm -hmm. like went through a program and they sort of tweaked and changed the writing and made me do all these rewrites and all this stuff. And I just didn't really know how to turn the vision I had in my head into a script. Yeah. Um, and that sort of disappointment, that experience gave me a ton of confidence. Like, oh, I don't, I don't need help filmmaking. That part mm. I completely understand and have confidence in, but I don't have any confidence in the writing. And, mm-hmm. th- and that led me to seek out a class with this amazing TV writer who taught a class. Like, it just made all of the writing tools click in a way that made sense to my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in that environment and all of these people, well, Lauren, that's where I met Lauren, yeah. Amazing. Um, who we have in common. And um, I just love- yeah, Lauren Knoll was on yes. our last season. Oh, amazing. okay. And, yep. a, and an amazing filmmaker, like learned Correct. the writing tools and then went on to create like a bunch and is still creating a bunch of amazing projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first step where I was learning it for myself, which yeah. is very exciting for me. I was able to use the tools to write something that I felt very good about and proud of. And then I was already working with clients already. So, you know, when I learn something new, I'm like, oh, let me show you this new thing Mm -hmm. that I learned. So, of course, a bunch of my clients who were already actors were wanting to write stuff for themselves. And so that's when I was like, I can help you (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I learned all these tools. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of how I pivoted. And now that's really the only thing I want to do. You know, running a business is, it's a constant evolution and things that used to excite me that I used to teach, they don't anymore. And the yeah. thing that really excites me right now is helping other people tell the story within them and giving them the tools to to help them realize that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that's what's speaking to me right now. Yeah. When people come to you, are they already with a like ripe idea of what they want to do? Or is it more, hey, I know I want to create something that is a vehicle for myself and I'm open to discovering what stories in me can come out. Chicken or the egg, I guess. It's kind of runs the gamut. There's mm-hmm. definitely some people that know what they want to write about and they're not really sure how how to do that. There are people who know they want to write, but they don't know what they want to write about. 
Um, there are some people that really want to play a character that they feel like is going to showcase what they're actually capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some people who just want to make something because they don't want to wait around for getting picked or getting that permission. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting look into the way in which people seek out assistance. I only bring that up just because I have that often with, you know, my clients as well, where like some people are like, I already have the material and I need it tightened. Or some people are like, I need the material. And then they come to me and I find them the material. And then we like just the access point, even though it's different, it's still people who really want to get in touch with um, the way in which they can find themselves in storytelling. And I'm curious about that as the lens, right? It's like sometimes we're like, okay, this would be a fun story and then I just happen to be the one to write it. But when it's about like I am the center, I I am the thing, the 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 I guess the what's the word? Um the engine that I want this thing to run on is like me. How do we as artists keep our egos in check? How do we access our vulnerability? How do we find the truth about what we want to say and how we say it when we make that decision? Yes. That's a, <laughs> that's a big, big questions. Big questions. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I'll start with the ego part first. I, like 100% of the people that I have worked with usually are filled with doubt and uncertainty and mm-hmm wonder if anyone's going to care about their idea or if they can actually learn how to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, for whatever reason, people that are re- resonate with my frequency and the way that I work with people, they they feel a lot of doubt. Yeah. Um, and almost I've had some experiences of almost feeling like they have to apologize for the mm-hmm. story that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is like, I'm glad that they came to me because I think any, everyone has something worth saying. Everyone has a story that has value. Everyone has an experience that is unique that also can be universal to, to yeah. other people who are going through that experience. Um, you know, in terms of like excavating yourself and and getting to the truth, I, I would say that not everyone, but the majority of people that I have worked with over the past couple of years, they lived through something that was impactful that they want to turn into a film. Yeah. Um. So they've they've lived through something that they need to process in a different way that they learn something huge and they want to like share that message to more people. They went through something that is very unique or they haven't seen this story told or told authentically and they want to be the one Mm -hmm. to tell it. So I think the sort of truth is the lead is what leads people to like storytelling is the most impactful tool that we have. It's based on, truth might not be like sequential or 100% accurate truth, but the essence or the higher truth is sort of what we all resonate with in story and why storytelling has stayed with us since the caveman days, right? Like there's 
we re- it's like we vibrate at that frequency in that moment receiving that truth so i think a lot of people are being guided by that truth and they want to learn like where they struggle is like how do i then add a container to this that i can present mm-hmm. you know in a way that you know sto- any film has a structure film have very certain structure that you should follow and all of those sort of technical aspects um but it's because of those technical aspects that the that the message can be received Mm -hmm. when you were helping people create say a short what is the structure that you are guiding them through in terms of like the, the the script structure sure um so with a short we work with a three-act structure which is the same structure as a feature mm-hmm. tv pilots are very different they are not three-act structure but a short film is a three-act structure um and <laughs> some some people have said and i think they might be right like they found writing a short harder than writing a feature because mm-hmm. the art form of the short is brevity Mm-hmm. There is no room to waste anything. Um, you have to get to the heart of the, your story, like within the first minute, yeah. which is very tough. Like actors, especially, we want to like lay all this story in the background and let's do a flashback. <laughs> so you really understand the dynamics. And there's a lot of like breadcrumbs before yeah. we get to the point, which it does not work for a short. Yeah. Um, everything has to have a, a setup and a payoff. And it's that brevity and sort of the one central question that I think is is hard for people to grasp because um, they want to tell so much more story. And, and in a short, you really have to streamline and be ruthless with your decisions so that not, not one second of that film is, is wasted on something that isn't relevant to the one yeah. story you're telling. And by one story, you mean the one question that we're trying to answer. Yes, the central question that's being explored. Yeah. Yeah, or the thing that we must learn or be enlightened (laughs) by at the end of. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've got to set all that up like within two minutes maximum. (laughs) Yeah. So in in this structure that we have in, say, a short, how does one build out or access a full 360 degree character human person that is the person through which this person say wants to be in their short yes so there's two tools that i help people with you know there's a million ways to write a screenplay and i just i teach what i think works Um, But, you know, the way that you get into it is what is what resonates with you. But so there's two things to focus on. The first is there's a tool that I teach called the character square, which is directly tied into your structure. So there there are seeds that you have to set up in the beginning. We're going to see this character pursuing a tangible goal. There's an internal conflict that they're usually unconsciously struggling with and in the act three climax we're going to see them overcome their fatal flaw to get the inner need those are sort of the structural elements that 
you need to set up from the beginning and you build your film around that. And then there's another aspect where you really are deepening all of your characters um, to get, to make them unique and specific and compelling and make us fall in love with them and whatever their, you know, those fatal flaws and inner needs are what make us care about characters. Even if they're doing horrible things, mm -hmm. we often find ourselves rooting for the villain or rooting yeah. for the anti-hero protagonist. Um, so there's the structural development of your characters, which is a really important technical tool that ties into what's driving your plot and what your story's like really about, which is the resolution of those internal conflicts. And then there's, you know, really deepening your characters so that in an ideal world, you know your characters so well that they sort of just start telling you what they would say and how they would react. Yeah. Which I think is such a great... That's why I think writing is so such an easy pivot for actors because we know how to do that. Mm -hmm. The character development is the easiest part for the actor. It's yeah. really sort of the technical structure stuff that is new and you need to learn. Yeah, I was going to say that when I've when I've written and been developing my own stuff too. I think that's been what I found is like. And I think I take it for granted too, just like how I'm not gonna. I guess I'll do my own horn. Like how good I am at the characters. Like it, I don't. I don't think twice about it. It's like these people feel like three sixty degree human beings yeah. because that's what I know. That's my yeah. access point. And then it's okay. Well, now we're talking about this from a visual medium, and things have to like not necessarily be said. You don't have a living room scene that can last for an hour. Like you need to like move this. Arguably, it's only lasting for two minutes. So whatever you wanted to accomplish in that hour, like figure it out. <laughs> you know, like so it's such a it's such an interesting muscle to be exercising. How can we distill what we know that we often take for granted because it's so deep in our craft and who we are yeah. and trust that that is a transferable skill into something else and that brevity, you know, it's this, the phrase that like more isn't always more. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes more is just more. <laughs> like, more isn't necessary. It's just more. Um, and that's such a hard a hard lesson sometimes to be learned. Yes. And it's like, it's a lifelong struggle. Like mm -hmm. to, I, I can't, I don't know where the quote is from, but it's like, if I had more time, I'd write you a shorter letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Hard, it's hard to be really, you know, I'm someone I'll, I just overwrite it. That's my process. I just mm -hmm. overwrite it. I let it be a monster and too many things. So I can, sort of get through the muck to kind of identify what it is I actually want to say and what matters. And then you can start trimming away all of the yeah. unnecessary stuff. But it, like, I don't sit down and just write and it's brief and efficient. It, it's a process of mess yeah. and not being clear until it becomes clear in the doing of it. Yeah. I think that's something that in this space we talk about often of just like the process and really embracing that the process is going to be messy and arguably that is exactly the art creation you know we're so we're taught 
in most spaces that until there's a product, which mm -hmm. reminder, like that's associated with capitalism, like <laughs> until there is the product to identify, then that is the barometer of success where it's like, if you have yeah. never written something beforehand and now you're sitting here and you've created something out of nothing, it did not exist before. And it's a huge situation of a dump out of your brain of all these beautiful ideas. And it's a monster that exists in many, many pages. Like that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And then you sit and you boil it down to, yeah, it's essence and what matters to you and um, the the lens through which you want to storytell this particular story. But, you know, forgetting that the dumping is also part of the process is yeah. robbing oneself. And I think it's, you know, one of the things that I say in my in my feedback groups is like sometimes you don't know what it is you're writing until you've gotten to the end of the first draft mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah it, it just becomes i think many people have this idea of like oh i need to know what it is in my head so if i just think about it more then i'm going to get clarity and then i can start writing mm -hmm. it you start writing and then it, things become more clear or you get feedback and a bunch of people resonate with the same thing and yeah. it just starts to reveal itself in the doing of it. Yeah. We talked about this with our episode with Isabel Pask. Like the, the episode is literally called like how to start writing. <laughs> like It's that. It's like we ha we all have these gorgeous ideas. And even if we don't, we've been told something beforehand that we like lodged somewhere deep in the recesses of our brain that like somebody was like, this would be so fun. And it has nothing to do with you, but you're like, this is a fun idea. And it's all there. It's just a matter of like, how do you literally pick up your pen and paper? Or how do you sit in front of your blank document and decide to just do the thing? Um, it's it's such a hard muscle. I don't claim to really have it. I had to pay for a class to make me do the thing. And then I finally now have a pilot, you know, but like I, I was resisting that for a really long time, like a really long time. Yeah. But now I, I have it. Writing is really hard, even when you have the tools and you've yeah. used the tools and you've been wildly successful with the tools. I think the act of writing is is a challenge every single time. Yeah. And for anyone who gets something down on the page, it's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And um, it's powerful. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you simply someone who has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles, rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we meet virtually together, and you share with me who you are as a human, what you love, dislike, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this, don't worry. And then I go off on my own, and I find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I have been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So... If you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo. 
I cannot wait to find you monologues you absolutely adore. I'm curious to go back to kind of a little bit of what you were saying way in the beginning about putting another part of yourself aside on behalf of these artists that you were helping to foster and the work that they're trying to do. I'm curious for you when you put on a hat and you perhaps shelve another hat for a little bit, does the hat that's shelved like wave to you on a daily basis or is it something that like you're really good at shelving it and you actually forget about it until you are in the muck and then somehow that like hat falls off a shelf and you're like, oh my God, oh right, you exist. <laughs> it takes both of those forms. I, there are periods, it depends on how busy I am. If it's mm -hmm. like in the middle of a launch, it's definitely the, I've forgotten that you're there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's the more quieter times that it's like, oh yeah, wait a minute. And then every day it's like, I should be doing that. I should be doing that. I should be doing that. <laughs> and yeah. then I'm not doing it. Um, I, you know, as we are all learn more and more about ourselves, I'm, I tend to skew all or nothing. I like to go all in on one thing. I don't like to switch hats often back and forth, back and forth. I really like to to do one thing. And if I can't go all in on the thing, I like to put it aside until I have more time to go all in on that thing, which is mm -hmm. not, it's not a great system for me um, because the times where I can go all in on the creative stuff is so much fewer and far yeah. further between. I think I've messed up that phrase. Um, <laughs> grammar is hard. Yeah. Really, it's hard. You don't need good grammar to be a good screenwriter. No, that's um, where AI is actually helpful. That's the only time. The only like your, time is your characters yeah. could be bad at grammar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's fine. But, you know, like there have been times where, okay, I'm going to, I'm going away for the weekend. And for these three days, I'm just going to focus on writing my pilot. And I have done that for myself here and there, but it's, that's not sustainable either. You know, it's, it's breaking my own ingrained habits of how I approach stuff would, is what I'm actually, it's on, I'm moving into that now. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is my season where I'm really pushing myself to not go in on only one thing. I really want to make my own creative scripts. I have a couple of scripts that are in different stages and I really want to get, make myself focus on that as a priority. Yeah. It's the only way that it gets done. Why is the shift happening now for you? Uh, I just reached my limit. I had a I had a launch in my business that I expected to go a lot better and it went really poorly and it just felt like the, I, if I tallied up the hours I've put into this launch with the revenue that it brought in and I could have been spending, if I spent that many hours on my scripts, I just sort of was like, I'm not getting the fulfillment that mm -hmm. I want to be getting from this, or I'm not getting the like financial ROI mm -hmm. for me to make this the top and only priority. So yeah. I, you know, I'm 
I'm having a moment of like, but okay, so I'm the one doing this. I'm making these decisions. I can change the decisions. So why don't I change some of the decisions to make myself happy? Yeah. How have you felt making these decisions? I've (laughs) relief, scared, (laughs) uncertain, excited, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like all of this stuff. Yeah. I think it's helpful to, first of all, thank you for sharing so vulnerably. And second of all, I think it's a wonderful like human reminder that on the outside, we view things as one thing because that's all the information that we have. And really on the inside, it's a lot, (laughs) it's a lot more than just that, a lot more than what meets the eye. And it goes back to just like offering people grace um, and offering people patience to recognize that we do not fully see the whole picture ever. Um, And even when we ask, we might not still receive the whole picture. And especially as us artists, wherever we are in the hats that we wear, coming out of a pandemic into what feels like a version of another form of like pandemic um, movement with these strikes, like of which all of which is necessary and also still traumatic. Like we are coming off of a really traumatized time in conjunction with what is already a very volatile and unpredictable life that we have all been led to choose, which is what it is, a decision, a choice, um, and how hard it is to sometimes let go of the things that we thought were the thing and to move towards the things that we think in this season are now the thing. Um, You know, it's a really brave thing to be able to look inward and be like, what is working and what is not working? And where am I happy? And where am I not? And where can I make a shift that will move things around enough that will give me permission to maybe change the way I'm feeling if I so desire? Um, It takes a lot to do that because it can feel really overwhelming. Um, So I want to give you credit for that. Um, I think it's a very hard thing to do. Um, we can talk about it conceptually and arguably we do it in small little ways here and there, you know, like I chose to eat tofu today instead of eating chicken, but like, but you know, it's, it's, it's big. Yeah. And, uh, you know, running a business is really hard, whether it's your acting business, your screenwriting business, your, you know, coaching business, it's just, it's really hard and, it it like it's the same parallel as a as an artist right it's as uncertain and unpredictable and unknown because you could have mm-hmm. a great year two years revenue wise and then you have like three years like what the fuck <laughs> like mm-hmm. none of the stuff is working anymore and yeah. it's a lot of ups and downs on top of then also being someone who is an artist as well. And the ups, it's just like the never ending ups and downs. Yeah. Um, And sometimes you're up for it and are really driven and ambitious and you have the energy and you want to do it. And sometimes you're like, I just need to pause because I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My body hurts. <laughs> yeah. How do you give yourself permission to do that? 
the pausing. It's or the hard privilege, for me. Like, the privilege yes. around it too, right? Like both. Usually I have to, I push it too far and then I, my body is saying like, stop it. Mm-hmm. I, I am not great at, I'm getting better at that. Um, but it's, you know, the ambition and the, the tenacity that it takes to run a business, to be an artist can lead to a level of stubbornness, Mm -hmm. which can be very harmful if you're not listening to your body and you're pushing through and you're going, going, going. It's like the thing that is, it's the blessing and the curse of, of being built that way. Um, But I think right now I'm giving myself permission. I think I, I, I had other disappointments earlier in the year and then it sort of like turned it around and was on the upswing again. And so now it's like to so quickly feel like back on a downswing. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired and I want to take care of myself. And, um, like maybe this is TMI, but I think it's relevant to the conversation. Um, in January, I had a hysterectomy, which up until then, like over a decade, more like more than a decade, I've had fibroids and really heavy menstrual cycles. And mm-hmm. just I had about 10 days a month where I could be productive and the rest of the time was like getting yeah. my period and cramps and having to rest and cancel all my meetings. Yeah. And I was trapped in that cycle for like over a decade. So once I had my hysterectomy and I was like, I have all this time now, like I have mm-hmm. time, I can be consistent. I can work four weeks out of the month instead of 10 days. And yeah. I don't have to like scramble and shove everything into th- this week and a half. And I think I just felt like I've got to make up for lost time and I've got to push mm. and I got to build and grow. And I I went all in and mm-hmm. I, because I could where I, I wasn't able to do that for such a long time. And that was, that was another, that was probably the biggest thing that kept me away from pursuing creative stuff, acting and writing stuff because I just couldn't, I'm not reliable. Mm-hmm. I hope the booking is during the seven days where I can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that, you know, I think I really wanted to make up for lost time in a way that I got burnt out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, I've, I've learned this lesson already, <laughs> but I haven't implemented it. So I, I want to learn from mistakes I've made in the past and, not push myself to burn out. You know, I yeah. want I want to be able to serve my clients who I love working with and I want to be able to give them my best and I also want to give my best to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of like from your question earlier of like what what's different about now or why am I how am I giving myself permission now? It's like the hysterectomy has been life-changing for me. I didn't feel like I could pursue acting anymore. 
to mm-hmm. try to get on a set anymore. I just wasn't physically able to yeah. live out the schedule that's required and the demands and the hours. And I just didn't, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why I feel more capable of pursuing the creative stuff in a way that that feels like I could actually do it without being the unreliable person that everyone hates because I can't make the shoot and I, you know, all of those things that would get in the way. I want to hold space for you sharing in this way. So thank you again for being so vulnerable and for trusting me in this community with that. And also naming that people don't talk, especially women, we don't really talk about um, our health um, for obvious reasons in this country. Um, But I mean, it's totally not the same at all, but I, I froze my eggs last year and I was incredibly vocal about it. And the reason I was incredibly vocal about it was because there was one friend of mine Um, who was incredibly vocal about it. And because she was incredibly vocal about it, I felt I could be. And I knew that it was an option for me. And I spent a year doing research and blah, 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 and like seeing if I was emotionally, physically, financially capable of doing it and saving up and all of those things. Um, And if it wasn't for her talking about it, I genuinely would not have thought it was an option. And so, you know, you being vocal about it is giving at least another human being permission to think about that for themselves. We also don't give credit where credit is due around like health (laughs) being a factor for how we are able to show up. That includes mental health as well. And how as artists, especially and humans, especially with the volatility of our life and the life that's happening around us, um, how impactful that is on us. And to simply just survive on this planet, let alone when we have health stuff that we're navigating and then we don't feel like we can talk about it and then we don't know how to use it in, in, I don't mean as like an excuse, I mean it just like use it for when it's real to like be the thing that is the explanation for why you're not able to show, like it's just, it's a very flawed system is what I'm naming. And so you being able to share in this way and also share how much, much it's allowed you to really own all of you now is um, really impactful and empowering. Um, So congratulations for making a huge decision (laughs) about your body and your decisions for your body. And I also want to name that it's probably a huge adjustment, even with like the relief that you have to now be living a life that you've never seen or haven't seen for many years of like, oh, wait, now I actually am available for all this time. And now I don't have the, I don't mean this as an excuse, but like the quote unquote excuse that like I'm not able to show up because I'm unable to. And now what does it mean that I'm in theory able to show up? I guess I want to offer, not that you ask, but I'm going to do it anyway, (laughs) that like just because you have the time doesn't mean that you have to give of the time, you know? I think there's some celebrating of just like you as a human being of like, I have time for just whatever. Anything anything I want. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we feel like we have to get on that hamster wheel so quickly when life happens and shift happens and and, um, we don't often feel like we have permission to sit with the change and just that in and of itself is like the gift just the sitting with it this hamster wheel 
and the planning and nothing ever looks the way we think it will ever. And you can plan until the cows come home. And one day those cows are just not coming home and there's geese instead. And you're like, why are geese here and not cows? And then I don't know why, but that just is the new normal. And maybe this metaphor doesn't make any sense in my brain. It does. But like, you know, it's just like, it's just never going to be the thing. Um, And so I'm a huge proponent of saying fuck it sometimes and giving to yourself. And sometimes that means pausing. Um, Yeah. That was a lesson I feel like I learned over the pandemic. And I feel like, not to throw everybody else under the bus, but like I was was so grateful. One of the positive flip sides of the pandemic was that I learned and saw directly in its eye my hustle, of which I've always owned as like my – as like a – a medal for myself. Like, oh my God, you're so good at hustling. You do everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, I got to pause and I got to evaluate. And I realized, A, it's not healthy. B, I don't want to be doing it. And C, I was only doing it because I thought I had to and I got really good at it. And then I liked being good at the thing, which is not what I really wanted to begin with. And it's hard when the hamster wheel is like the wheel of society and you want to be a participant. And it's also a real gift to oneself to recognize that you get to decide when you want to step on and off of, off of it when you can, obviously recognizing there's like a level of privilege in that. But like you don't always have to be on the hamster wheel because everybody else is. Yeah. As a human being, pre or post hysterectomy, when you experienced loss in some way, whether it's time, whether it's in your business, whether it's as an artist that you weren't able to show up the way you quote unquote wanted to, how do you process those things? I mean, I think pre-hysterectomy, there was no processing Mm -hmm. because there just wasn't, I either was felt good enough to be hyper productive or I was like on the couch and debilitating pain Mm -hmm. it was like those were the two speeds and when i was on the couch it just was like the rage (laughs) the rage of like this again and why do i need to go in go through this again and why aren't there i resisted a hysterectomy for really time for a long time as like my own act of rebellion (laughs) because I think it's bullshit that that's really the only option. Like it's go on the pill or cut an organ out of your body. Those are the two options for women. And there's really no curiosity in medical field. You know, there are doulas and herbalists and all acupuncturists and all kinds of people who do help treat the root cause of some of these things. Um, But the medical industry is not, interested in being curious about women's bodies and the root causes of why so many women have these issues in the first place or how to help them. So I was enraged. I would just be enraged about that. And those were my two speeds. It's like work, 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 or like be enraged and in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And now I think I've been in go like hyper productive mode. That's just what I've been in with my business. We had a bunch of events and launches and just all this deliverables that had to get done. 
um, which can keep you very busy and not really mm -hmm. having to think about your feelings or anything but work. And now that we've sort of come through a, a lot of that stuff, there is more time and there is more space to, like I started doing morning pages again, which has been really good mm -hmm. and helpful and just kind of coming back to practices I used to have before I got really busy. Yeah. <laughs> and oh yeah, this is really great. So I'm processing now through some of those tools. Yeah. And just walking. Like I I like getting into any kind of exercise habit wasn't possible because it was like stop, start, stop, start. Um, so any kind of consistency, it just wasn't possible. I walk like most, most days, which has just been a great gift. And that's a great, just walking like is such a good expander or like, you know, you get out of the house and the way your brain works and take a different route. And there's just, I find that very peaceful and calming, which has been good. And it's getting me moving, which is so, you know, if you're not moving, you're not moving. <laughs> if yeah. you're not moving in your body, you're not moving in your life. Yeah. Um, so that's been a like a huge benefit of the hysterectomy yeah. as well, just being able to move. Yeah. As we begin to wind down our time, is there anything that is on your heart or and is there anything that you wish you had known earlier? I mean, there are so many things I could say. <laughs> should have left that boyfriend. Should have left that boy. Like lots of <laughs> life lessons. Interpersonal, yeah, life Interpersonal stuff. things I wish I had learned young as a younger person. Um, you know, I think I, for me, storytelling is really, really impactful and a powerful tool and something I gravitate towards and something that I love. And I also see it as it is a way of, of, if you are the writer, it's a way of processing through stuff mm -hmm. that sometimes can't be processed any other way. Um, so for example, I'm, I'm writing a script <laughs> about <laughs> a killer uterus mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> from right. what I wow. went why, why would you write right. that? Yeah, that's yeah. So so from that what I, <laughs> yes. And that, you know, it's, it's a good tool to kind of process some of these things, but, you know, something that I wish I had known earlier that I, that I hope other people understand or have like a way to deal with is like I'm in my 40s now and I was not at all prepared for how much loss comes with this age and as you age beyond the 40s like of course people have losses earlier than that but I'm I'm starting to go through the loss of like family member by family member and it's like, oh, this is just the beginning of like this wave of grief and then the anticipatory grief of like losing more people that I love. And that's just been, 
I didn't know that that's what was coming <laughs> in yeah. in the 40s. Because, oh, women, you know, you stop giving a fuck and you're comfortable in your skin and it's a great time of empowerment and it's really fucking painful. And yeah. there's so much grief. Yeah. Um, you know, grief is just like an ever-present part of my life now in a way that I never could have imagined when I was younger. You know, not to say that people don't have grief when they're younger like yeah. but it's just become really really pronounced and like i just want to write films like capturing the essence of all the people that i love and my family and like as a legacy of like thanking them and loving them and you know mm -hmm. for me storytelling is is a tool that i am leaning on to kind of process through some of these things um, I should probably get a therapist too. <laughs> I don't think it's, there's Absolutely. other ways to process. Um, but yeah, I think like that's, that's the big thing that's present for me right now is no one prepares you for how much loss you will go through in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I how don't precious think we, things are. Yes. How precious things are, how in an instant things change and the like the pain of that and the cruelty of that is like a fresh wound every time i don't yeah. i'm i'm not at the point where i can accept that this is just normal and this is like what's mm -hmm. coming it's like a fresh wound every time yeah um and i you know what my hope is that we can build into our culture like much more acceptance acknowledgement of and an embracing of people who are in grief because mm -hmm. you can't just go back to work yeah you can't just get back to normal like it's that's not possible and yeah. i think it's i'm gonna have to write a script about it of like like an example of of how to support especially in the united states you know i think other cultures are more they allow the pain and of the grief and the ugliness of that pain and the wailing and you know there are other cultures that i think do handle grief in a really beautiful way but like in the u.s it's not so when are you coming back to work how can you yeah. make us more money and like take all the time you need but when are you coming back <laughs> yeah yeah. 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 Thank you again for sharing. No, I mean it. No, I mean it. You know, I I really I you know, it feels it feels in some way like not that this is why you're doing it, but it feels like validating to me that we've created a space here that you feel safe to do that, you know, and to share and for me I am only really interested in people being truthful and honest and I learn the most about myself. I learn the most about myself in yeah. the world. I learn how to be more empathetic. I learn how to listen more when I hear other people actually showing up and being brave and vulnerable. So, um, I mean, it's a gift to have that as a part of who you are to be able to share that with strangers who are listening and with <laughs> me. No, it is, you know, and so many of us can resonate with a version of what you're talking about. You know, I think there's also this like 
real danger in society about comparative Mm-hmm. trauma grief situations yes. of like oh well i'm going through this and you're going through this and because yours seems worse than mine then mine shouldn't take up space yeah. or actually i look at yours and in comparison to mine it's not as bad and so mind like we're trying to pin these feelings against each other when it's everyone's feelings are valid <laughs> and everyone's feelings hold space and are true and real and what a beautiful world we could be living in if we just allow people to honor those experiences and feelings more deeply and hold the space for everyone to be where they are. Yeah. Um, it's a world I wish we lived in currently and I'm aiming to like continue holding spaces like at least in this one we can, you know, where people can own what they're navigating and that is really empowering for others to hear and then see themselves in that. Um, We all go through versions of grieving all the time. And then sometimes it just hits you in the face and it's too much. And then how do you take time for yourself and those that you love to show up so that when you are quote unquote ready, of which I actually want to like argue, I don't know when you're ever ready. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what what does that even mean? Like ready for what? Like, eh. But like when you are somehow more full enough to try again and show up again, um, yeah, I think that's a really – it will happen. It will hit you in the face. <laughs> it will hit you in the face. Yeah. Um, I am so grateful for the journey of this conversation. Um And if anybody wants to work with you and hear more or reach out, what within your own boundaries is the best way for people to find you? Um, To get an idea of how I work with people, um, you can go to writeyourdreamroll.com and there's a great training about how to start developing those characters that I talked about in terms of thinking about the arc of your plot. And then if you want to connect, you can always DM me on on Instagram. My handle is at the only Emily Grace. Are you only the em- are you the only Emily Grace? No, there's like a bunch of Emily Graces. <laughs> and, I love it. You're like, I am owning that this uh, is the only right. one. The I'm, only one that matters. I think I might be the only one whose last name is Grace. There's a okay. lot of people with a middle name and then they call themselves Emily Grace. Yeah. That tracks. But I am the only Emily Grace. Beautiful. The end. (laughs) Thank you so much for being in this space with me in this way. Um, And I'm I'm really grateful for, yeah, the vulnerability that you shared and the things that you shared and how you expressed it. And so it really means a lot that you trusted me and trusted this community and trusted this space to do so. Thank you so much for having me. It's been quite satisfying despite <laughs> emotionally on a roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, if there's nothing else that we learned from this conversation is that literally everything's a roller coaster, so you better <laughs> yes. get comfortable with being Embrace on one. <laughs> if something in this episode resonated with you, and more importantly, if this podcast means something to you, it would mean the most to us if you would leave us a positive review. This means the most in podcast land and allows us to continue creating these episodes for you weekly. 
If you are not yet doing so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com. If you are seeking some fun, cute merchandise, we have that link for you in the show notes. As always, I am so endlessly grateful that you keep on coming back, and we will be back again next week. Until then.